Good morning, everyone. Welcome. We're glad that you're here today, and we welcome you to Community Baptist Church as we have gathered to worship our Lord uh, this morning. We welcome our guests especially. You're very important to us and glad that you're here and hope that you'll feel very much part of our family as we worship the Lord together. Let me remind you of a few announcements that we have. On Saturday, we will be serving lunch at the Salvation Army and so if you would like to uh, participate in that uh, important ministry, uh, please see Sybil Keach, and she will sign you up. And, uh, and it's, a, it's a great, it's a fun time, and it's an important ministry as well. So uh, come and be a part of that. Also, on Sunday, we will be having a children's uh, family a children's and family picnic after church, immediately after the worship service. Uh, so bring the kids along and invite the kids uh, all in your neighborhood to come along and their families. And uh, this will be a great time. We're going to have some food after church and then some water games, a slip and slide, water balloons, and come prepared to get wet. Okay. <laughs> also, we are collecting toothbrushes for uh, the Henderson Christian Outreach this month. We, we do something different every month, and during the month of July, it is toothbrushes. So if you would, uh, wouldn't mind, purchase a couple of toothbrushes, uh, however, however many you can, and just put it in the basket back there in the back, and, uh, and we'll get those to a Henderson Christian Outreach. And one other thing, a correction uh, that, I, that slipped by me in our bulletin for today. Uh, we have a talented young preacher, probably one that we haven't called upon enough uh, to use her talents and she is about to go away to college. And so next week's sermon will not be from me, but will be from Kelsey Dunham. So <laughs> she, she looked at her mom as if she was surprised about that. We've talked about this. <laughs> Uh, we look forward to that, Kelsey, and, and, uh, and we'll look forward to what you have to say to us next week. Let's stand and greet each other in the name of the Lord and share the love of Christ with one another.
Please pray with me. Let this day, O Lord, which you have made and given to us, be a day of gladness and joy. We honor you in this place where we have come to worship you and to praise your holy name. Today we praise you for the privilege of prayer. And we pray today that you will send forth your word so that we may hear your will. Send forth your light so that we may see your way. Send forth your spirit so that we may be empowered to follow. And may we, in response to your invitation to pray, be faithful to pray as one coming to a loving parent. May we pray expecting to hear and, to, and for you to respond. May we pray knowing that you, you love us as your beloved children. And, we, and may we pray as you taught us to pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
on down, children. Come on down, boys and girls. I got something I need some help with today. There's some, some, a mystery item in this bag I got to show you. See if y'all can help me figure out what it is. I've got two things. Come on over here close. Yeah, there you go. I've got two things to talk to you about. Two words, two items, and I think you both know what they are today. You know what a weed is? Okay, we're going to talk about weeds and we're going to talk about words. We all know what words are. Those are two things. Now, here's my question. What is this mystery item? What is that? I bet some of the adults don't know what that is. A screwdriver? No, it looks like a screwdriver. It's a what? Dandelion. A dandelion root. It's really long because some weeds have some long roots and you can get way down on the ground to, to get them out with. So that's what it is. It removes dandelions. Um, is a weed a good plant or a bad plant, you think? A bad plant? Some people would say it's a good plant. You know, you can make dandelion salads and uh, some other things out of, out of weeds. But most people, Wyatt, probably say that it's a bad plant. And it's funny how some plants are good plants and some plants are weeds. You know, our words can be like weeds sometimes. We can use words to build up and create things, and we can do, use words to tear things down. Um, let me share a picture of a weed with you. And we've already mentioned this weed. What is that weed? A dandelion. I bet you all of you have taken a dandelion and blown it, right? What happens? What happens when you blow that dandelion? It, it, it goes everywhere. It floats over into the neighbor's yard, into the park, uh, into the churchyard, and every place else. And what are each one of those little things? They're seeds. So what happens when that seed lands on the ground? It plants a new one, and there's more dandelions everywhere. So we want the dandelions that we plant in this world, in this life, our words to be, to be good ones and to use those for the benefit of others. Uh, the Bible says in Psalms 19 that may our words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be pleasing to God, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So today's message is that we use words that lift people up and that don't hurt them like weeds. Does that make sense? Let's have a little prayer. Father in heaven, help us to be careful with our words and not say things that will hurt someone else. Help us instead to say things that are helpful, kind, and loving. And may we be good examples for these children. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much. Let's stand for offertory hymn, please.
pray with me, please? Dear Lord, we do have many with worlds of cares, and we have many with seasons of distress and grief. But we all have the same remedy, and that is a sweet hour of prayer where we find relief and hope. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that we can always trust in you. You are an abundant God, and out of your great mercy, you have given so much. We give you this offering today. Multiply its reach and influence. May it be a blessing to many. In his name, amen. Our scripture reading today is Luke 11, 1 through 13. He was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us, and do not bring us to the time of trial. And he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived, and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, Do not bother me, the door has already been locked. And my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything, because he is his friend, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. 
Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open for you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, will give a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give to the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? This is the word of the Lord. temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the
You know, since I was a child, ever since I've ever heard that song, never have I heard it when I didn't get chills just running up and down my spine. Thank you, Rick. Thank you, Jika. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It is the prayer of the Christian church prayed more often in public than any other prayer and known personally by heart by more individuals than perhaps any other passage of Scripture. So what can we do with a sermon on such a familiar text as that? Well, I I could take the easy way out and do as a young man who requested admission into a monastery did. He told the abbot that he would be, uh, he would accept any task, no matter how menial, if he could only be a part of the religious life there in the monastery. His only condition was that he didn't want to preach. And so the abbot, deducing that this was obviously an area of his life, of his spiritual life that needed some work, he said, tomorrow morning you will be our preacher. And so the young man who was gripped by fear but was also seized by inspiration when he approached the gathered brethren before him and said, do you know what I'm going to preach about this morning? And all the monks said, no. And the young man said, well, neither do I, so let's go on to the benediction. (laughs) I'm not done. (laughs) The abbot was upset about this and determined that that the young man was going to preach, and so he assigned him a second time. And this time the man again said, do you know what I'm going to preach about today? And wishing to help him out, all of the monks said, yes. And so he said, well, if you know what I'm going to preach about, then there's no need to hear it again. Let's go right on to the benediction. I'm not done. Well, now the abbot was furious, and he was, in, he was determined that this, was, this monk was going to preach. So he tried it again, and so a third, at the third encounter, the young monk, young monk again asked, do you know what I'm going to preach about today? And all of the other monks were a little bit confused this time, and some of them said yes, and some of them said no, at which point the young man declared, well, then those of you who know what I'm going to preach about, turn to those who don't and tell them. Let's get on to the benediction. In our reading for the text today, you may have noted that that Sue read a few moments ago, you may have noted that Luke's version of this model prayer is much shorter than Matthew's version. Matthew's version is the one that we commonly use as the basis of what we know as the Lord's Prayer. But the context of each version emphasizes different things. Luke puts the prayer in a setting along with a parable that teaches us even more about prayer. He uses the model prayer and then tells this parable that that teaches us even more. So that's what I'd like for us to do today. Let's use the model prayer that Luke gives to us, that Jesus gives, along with the parable to give us some direction for our own prayer lives. First of all, this prayer teaches us that when we pray, we acknowledge that we know who we are and who God is. When we pray, we acknowledge that we know who God is and who we are in relationship with God. 
Psalm 9 verse 10 says, Those who know your name, O God, put their trust in you. I like that. And we need to put that into practice in our prayer life. And we know God's name, don't we? The name that Jesus uses uses here is the name Our Father. Now, I know that some of us feel very comfortable with this moniker for God, especially since you have probably used it for all of your life. But others feel that the use of the word Father turns God into a a male figure and that it is exclusive of females. And the fact is that God is neither male nor female. That's a description of someone based on physical characteristics. But God is spirit. And God does not have those physical attributes. However, when God, when, when Jesus and the other writers in the Bible refer to God as Father, I think it's a relational reference rather than a gender reference. Paul affirmed, uh, to the Galatians that God has sent God, uh, God's Son. uh, Let me back up here. God has sent the Spirit of God's Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. And in Romans eight fifteen and 16, we are told that we did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but we have received the spirit of sonship when we cry, Abba, Father. And I don't think it matters if you think of God as your father or your mother or whatever, But what is important is that you understand the intimacy of the relationship that you can have with God. Jesus taught us to pray, our Father. And in Aramaic, the word used there is Abba, which is an even more intimate, it's even more intimate than Father. It's literally Daddy. It's what the word means. It's daddy. It's a very close. It infers a a closeness in relationship. It it infers a relationship of love and, and security. And so in the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus faced the hardest decision he had ever faced in his life, he prayed, Abba, Daddy, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But the cup did not pass from him. And hanging on that cross, anguishing in pain and and dying in shame, he made that ultimate commitment when he prayed, Abba, Daddy, into your hands I commend my spirit. It's kind of like a scared child saying, Daddy, Hold me. And so the very first words of this prayer tell us that we are not coming to someone in our prayer life from whom we have to beg or plead or strike a deal with. We're not coming to someone with whom we have to bargain or pester. We are coming to a loving parent who takes great delight in supplying the needs of his or her child. Those of you who have had children 
when they are small and they cry, you know, they, they need something. They are hungry or they are thirsty or they need their diaper changed. And you as a parent, what do you do? You let them cry? Nah. Well, maybe a little bit, but. <laughs> you tend to their needs. That's who God is. And so we, when we pray, we know who God is. But we also know who we are. And because we know who we are, we pray out of our need. Look at the parable that Jesus uses uh, to teach us about prayer. It begins with need. A traveler arrives at midnight and... We've talked about this before. The rules of hospitality, which were very important in those days, demanded that you receive this traveler. And not only do you let him into your house and give him a place to stay, you also feed him. But on this particular night, the cupboard's bare. You don't have anything to offer. And so you go to your neighbor's house, and it's midnight, remember, and, and you knock on the door, but the neighbor says, Don't bother me, I'm already asleep. But you keep on knocking because you need to offer your guest something to eat and you don't have anything. Your need is imminent. So if prayer is anything, it is sharing your need with God. God is a loving parent and we are a dependent child Asking God to take care of us. Now the second point that we need to see is that when we pray, let us pray persistently. I read about a woman who was suing a Catholic cemetery in Providence, Rhode Island for $250,000. It seems that for 17 years she had prayed at and placed flowers on what she thought was her husband's grave. But the cemetery had made a mistake. They had placed her husband's headstone on the wrong grave, and the man was actually buried in a grave nearby. The suit claimed that the woman suffered severe emotional trauma and distress, and that all of her prayers had been wasted. Well, I can certainly understand the lady's trauma, but I don't, I don't really think her prayers were wasted at all. In fact, if anything, I believe that the picture of her persistence in coming to pray at her husband's grave, all of those years, all of that time, over 17 years, I think that's, that's a persistence that we all need to pay attention to. In some versions, Jesus uses a word here that seems strange to us. It's not in the version that Sue read a moment ago. But in verse 8 of of some versions, it says that even though the person on whose door the man is knocking, we will not get up to give him anything because he is a friend. Yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. Importunity. Importunity. Can anybody tell me the last time you used the word importunity? I didn't think so. It's, it's not a word that we use very much in normal conversation. 
But in this context, I think it's a very, uh, a, a very important word and a, and a very appropriate word. To importune means to press or to urge or to beg with persistence. And there's always a sense of urgency when we importune. It's because we need something. We, we need it now. And that seems to be the lesson of this parable. Because of his importunity, the friend who went begging at midnight got what he needed. And we need to remember that, not only in our intercession, but in all of our praying. We may not sense an immediate response to our prayers. Has that ever happened to you? You, you, you pray and you, you're not really sure you're connecting with God. You're not really sure that God is hearing. You're not sensing that immediate response from, from God. Has that happened to you? I think if you're like me, it has. And there may be a delay. And, and it may even seem that God is saying, I can't give you what you're asking. And that problem of no answer, or at least no apparent or immediate answer, that's a problem, that's one of the plaguing problems of prayer. Truth be told, it's not easy to continue to pray when it seems that God doesn't hear what we're praying and and will not answer. But listen to this, we need to importune with the assurance that God will respond. And that's the important part. And I think that's one of the key lessons from this parable. It is a lesson of confidence in God. We continue to pray not to bug God, but we continue to pray and we pray persistently. We importune Because we have confidence in God. And when you think about it, there is no higher honor that we can pay to God than to believe in God's faithfulness. To have confidence that in spite of the agonizing delay or the devastating silence or the the painful apparent refusal, even in spite of all that, to have confidence that an answer will come. It will come. It may not be the answer you want. And it may not come as quickly as you want, but the answer will be right for us, and it will be a blessing if we accept it and respond to the answer given. If we do that, it will bring good to you and glory to God. So when you pray... Be persistent. Now this final point. When you pray, be expectant. You may have noted that the doxology of the Lord's Prayer, when Sue read the scripture a moment ago, you may have noted that the doxology, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, it's not here in this passage of scripture. It's not here in Luke's version. It's not in Matthew's version either. 
The early Christians added this about 200 years later. But how right they were to do so. I can hardly pray the Lord's Prayer without that beautiful doxology. For you see, it is a great affirmation of expectation. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. It's a, it's a word of expectation. And so when you pray, open yourself up to the possibility that you're, you just might be surprised by what God can and will do. There is nothing bolder in Jesus' teaching than His promises about prayer. He places no limitations at all on what God can do if we just ask and believe Listen to these words of Jesus that clenches His teaching. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Everyone who asks receives, and everyone who seeks finds, and everyone who knocks, it will be opened. And as we've, as we've already indicated, one of the biggest problems that we have in in a consistent prayer life is, is when the answers are not apparent or immediate. But you know, I think our approach to prayer is, is too mechanical. We tend to look at prayer like a vending machine. We put our prayer in the slot and we expect our answer to come out. And our question concerning prayer is, does it work? And the efficacy of our prayer is based on whether our prayers are answered the way we want to or not. We look for answers, I think, out of a distorted notion of what it means for prayer to work. We think that if we don't get our answers right away, we're not praying right or hard enough or our faith is not strong enough or we think that if the answer that we get is not the one we want, that we've messed it up somehow. But I don't think that's the main point of prayer. You see, I believe that prayer is, is about relationship. Our relationship with God. And so the answer to the question of whether prayer is working or not is... It's not based on the answers that we get to our prayers. Listen to this. I think this is important. If our prayers are shaping our relationship with God, and if our prayers are impacting the way we live our lives, and if our prayers are affecting the way we relate to others and, and our willingness to be, be obedient and to, and to serve, then guess what? I think our prayers are working. Whether you get the answer you want or not, if, 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 if your prayers are changing you and affecting your relationship with God and others, they're working. That's the heart of it. And that's the real reason that we persist in our prayers. That's the reason we pray with expectancy. This God, our Father, our Mother, our beloved Heavenly Parent to whom we pray, to whom we are related, is the one through, 
through, who said through the prophet Isaiah, Do not remember the former things or consider the things of old. He said, I'm about to do a new thing that springs forth. And God spoke a final word in the book of Revelation saying, Behold, I make all things new. My friends, you can pray expectantly because I can guarantee you that God's going to shake things up. God's going to shake things up with the new things that God is doing. And you can be sure that prayer works because prayer is our relationship with someone who loves us dearly. Joe and, and John Walt are lay Christians who have been to China twice, each time for a year. Joe went there to teach, teach English, and, and John went to teach law. But their mission really was to live and, and to witness for Christ. Their work was in Xi'an, and they, and they wanted to go back there for another year. They wanted to give another year uh, serving in, in, in this community. But the government refused to grant them an invitation to teach there. However, to their surprise, they received an invitation to go to Shanghai. Well, they didn't want to go to Shanghai. They, had never, they never thought that this would be the city where they would work as Christians. So they prayed and they prayed, and they prayed persistently and expectantly. And, it be, and they began to sense that, well, maybe they should go. But here's the clincher. Because of their past experience, they expected God to affirm their decision with some, some sort of sign. Some, something that God would give to them to assure them that this is what God wanted them to do. So a couple of weeks later, they were in Florida on vacation. And on Sunday, they intended to go to one church, but they ended up going to the early service of an Episcopal church. And there was a layman who served them the wine of Holy Communion. They didn't know him. He didn't know them. They later learned that he was a captain of one of the fishing boats there. But, but when, when he came to them... They were kneeling there to receive the Lord's presence. And he stopped. He set the chalice down. He laid his hands on each of them and prayed for them. Now remember, these folks didn't know each other. They had no idea who the other person was or the other people was. And, and he, didn't, he didn't do that with any of the other people that he was serving the wine to. Only with them. And he prayed for their ministry, though not naming it specifically. And he prayed for their family and their work and their, and their lives. And after the service, Joe and John stayed to meet this man, to thank him, and to tell him how special that was. And for them, it was, it was a kind of consecration for their mission in China. Well, when the captain heard this, of course he was moved and he was surprised. And then this huge grin broke out 
on his face as they told him about their their work in China and, and, and their struggle with the decision to go back. And this huge grin came upon his face and he says, I've got a gift for you. And you're going to find this hard to believe unless you believe that God is a God of wonderful surprises. You see, years ago, apparently this guy was a hoarder. <laughs> because years ago, many decades ago probably, for some reason, that captain um, that he didn't know, but way back when, he, he got a bunch of, uh, back when, when those smiley buttons were real popular, you remember that? What was that, the 70s? You know, back when the smiley buttons were real popular, and you may remember some Christians coined the phrase, smile, Jesus loves you. Remember that? Sounds like 70s, doesn't it? Well, this man had purchased a bunch of stickers, smiley stickers, round little stickers with a big smiley face on it, with the words, smile, Jesus loves you on them. But would you believe that he had a lot of those things printed in Chinese? And so John and Joe are going back to China with a thousand little smiley stickers with the words, smile, Jesus loves you, printed in Chinese. But more than that, they are going to China with a tremendous confidence and excitement. Because God, in a surprisingly fresh way, confirmed to them that they're doing the right thing. Their commitment was confirmed. They're going in prayer. Persistent expectant prayer because they know that God is our beloved heavenly parent and that God will always walk with them and guide them in their lives and in their ministry. And here's my prayer, that they, that may also be true in each of your lives as well. Know today that you are God's beloved child. Know today that God is our beloved parent who wants only the very best for us. And so pray. Pray persistently because it is only through being in the presence of God that we can maintain our relationship with God. I heard somebody pray, uh, say one time that that pray for me because I need the prayer and you need the practice. That's true. We need the practice because it is only in the practice of prayer that we come into the presence of God and we can maintain that relationship with God. So pray persistently. Paul says all the time, and pray expectantly, eagerly awaiting the blessings that God has for us. Pray. 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 
Amen. Let's sing together our closing hymn, 387. Blessed be the tie. You know, that prayer is that tie that binds us to God and, that, and the blessed fellowship that God gives us is that tie that binds us to one another. And what a glorious thing each of those are. Let us celebrate them both as we sing, Blessed be the tie. go from here to the work and witness of life, knowing that the living Christ goes with you. Go with the good knowledge that God is listening when we pray. God is faithful to hear and to respond. God is our heavenly parent and wants nothing, nothing more but the very best for each and every one of you. So pray. Pray persistently. Pray expectantly. Take your concerns before the Lord as you would take them before your loving parent. For God is our Father, Abba, our Daddy. Amen.